I'm reading this morning from Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Well, good morning. Just a, a little quick update for you guys. We, uh, we just got back from a staff elder retreat in McCall. And uh, I just want to let you know, as a body of Christ and as a family together, uh, the state of the union. Uh, the state of the union is good. And uh, the union and the unity in the pastoral staff and with the elders, uh, I believe, is pleasing God. Uh, we really love each other. I've been here 20 years, uh, and there's been a lot of journey along that path. And uh, we have a great, great staff and uh, pastors and elders who really are moving towards each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we hope that as we are unified together that we bring that to you, this dear body, that we would be unified collectively as a family of Christ. And so I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, because it's a joy to my heart, and you're part of our family. And uh, I know many of you pray for us uh, that we would uh, seek God's heart and that we would be shepherds that are pleasing him and living to love you guys well. And, uh, and besides that, uh, we had some insane steelhead fishing, and I caught the biggest steelhead you've ever seen. <laughs> so the state of the union is good. Let me tell you a little story as we get into Genesis 39 this morning. Several hundred years ago, off the island of Cape Hatteras, uh, just off the shores of North Carolina, there were men whose business it was to lure ships into the coast and run aground on the shoals just off the island. They were wreckers by trade. And what they would do is they would 
they would put lanterns on a mule along the coast, and the mule would walk up and down, and the lantern would bob, and as ships would come in, they would see the light, and they would assume that that a ship had found uh, safe passage through the lands, through the sea there. And they would end up running ashore on diamond shoals. And these wreckers would come out and they would take all of the timber and all of the utensils and all of the money and they would gather it up and they had incredible success. These were the men of Nag's Head, is the place it was called, using the mule, the nag, to bring the light. And they would gather this and they would do it over and over and over again. 2,300 different ships that they wrecked. And today, when you go to Nags Head, there are many homes that still are made of this timber and have the old utensils and have all of the things that would come off the boat. And when you hear a story of this and you think, how incredible that these wreckers would do this to all of these people and all these ships coming through. And it made me think of of our spiritual journey and how there is many more malicious wreckers in our spiritual life than we can imagine. And Joseph encountered malicious spiritual wreckers that try to get us, tried to get him to run aground on Diamond Shoals. And so this morning I hope we can look to Joseph and see how he lived his life seeking only the favor of God that he'd be able to keep on the path of righteousness as he longed to please God. You see, Joseph didn't allow robbers to steal his faith. He didn't allow thieves through temptation to lead him on the rocks of the path of unrighteousness. He stayed on the path of righteousness. No thief would steal his hope in times of trial. And no robber could separate him from his love for God. And one of the things we know for certain, there was nothing that would steal God's love away from Joseph. He lived a life that was living to please God. And one of the dominating themes, and as Val read this morning, that you'll see throughout this whole passage, was that the Lord was with Joseph. And there was favor that was found, and he prospered because of his life in the Lord. The Lord was with Joseph. It it permeates the whole passage from verse 1 all the way through. And what it shows very clearly is that not only was the Lord with him, but his success very clearly came only because of God's intervention in his life, because of God's favor pouring out on Joseph. Where did the success and the prosperity and life come from? It only came from God. And the narrator wants us to know very clearly that it was because of the Lord. The Lord was with Joseph. It's a truth that we can't forget today. It's a truth that Jesus passed on to us very clearly as he was being taken up to sit at the right hand of the Father. 
I will leave now, but I will leave with you my Holy Spirit. He will come to you. He is the paraclete. He will come by your side. Go and make disciples now. And lo, I am with you always. The truth of God's life with Joseph, the same God through all eternity, is true now of us in the form of the Holy Spirit, God with us. Joseph was learning in his life to learn how to serve the Lord. He was learning to depend upon Him. He was learning to look only to the favor of God. All I desire is the favor of God. I desire to love Him. I desire to know Him. I desire to please Him. I desire to serve Him with my whole life. He lived a God-centered life. How's that looking for you and for me? I hope you ask the question. Is our life Christ-centered? Everything that we're looking towards is Him. And all of the pleasure that we're seeking is only the pleasure of God and not from man. When we seek the pleasure of men, our ship will run ashore and the wreckers will come and take over our lives. Only for the favor of God. May that be our lives as we study Joseph and how he lived. We see his journey begin in his workplace. And I wanted us to take a look at how did he live in his work as he looked for the favor of God? How did it play out? You know, one of the beautiful things that we see of Joseph and in his life with the Lord is that we see the, the promises of God, of his people. Genesis 12. I will make you a blessing. I will make you a blessing. We as followers of Jesus Christ are meant to be blessings to those that we encounter. And we're starting to see it lived out with Joseph in his work that he is a blessing and it's part of the promises of Genesis 12, what God has his hand upon us. You see, he's just a Hebrew slave. He's thrown into the pit by his brothers and then he's sold and then, and then he's sold again, ends up in Egypt. A lowly Hebrew slave. And we see God's hand upon him coming up from this, this incredible, terrible position of slavery. But he is working hard at his task. He's one who is, is seeking God in the middle of a lousy situation, isn't he? Okay, Lord, this is my work. What do you have for me here? This is my lot in life right now. So show me how you want me to live. But he prospered, again, the scriptures say, because the Lord was with him. One of the things you can't miss is that Joseph and God, Jehovah, they were in relationship. And I hope that's the case for us. Again, not religiosity, not just coming to church, not just doing spiritual things. A real relationship with the living God. I think Joseph was checking in with God daily. And I think that's why the narrator says he was with them and he was with them and he was with them and there was success. I think because he was looking and saying, Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me. I trust in you. I'm learning to depend on you. I don't totally get the situation. In his workplace, he had success because God was with him. And I think he learned to, to become 
a man of devotion to God. And as he sought only the favor of God, do you see the outcome of this? He had incredible influence. Isn't that what you want in this life? Don't you want to be people of influence? Not necessarily this incredible power, but people of influence. Because you, you, want, to, you want to move people, and especially spiritually, you want people to, to know who you are, the character of you, and how you're living for God. You want to have influence in this life, and I hope you do. Because he sought the favor of God, he began to have influence. And look, look in verse 3, the impact he had. When the master saw that the Lord was with him, when the master, Potiphar, this Egyptian man, he saw very clearly that Jehovah was with him. He saw that there was relationship between Joseph and his God, Jehovah. And you've got to imagine he's taking a look at this relationship and what's going on. That Potiphar is going, what's his life all about? How is it that he is having such success with all the other slaves and he seems to, to be prospering and he seems to care about people and he, and he has this incredible life and he's devout to his God? The master saw. You've got to understand something. This is a powerful, pagan, Egyptian man. Remember all the gods they have in Egypt? They lived in fear of all of their gods. One of the gods is Ra. Just the name itself instills fear in you, doesn't it? There was no relationship with these gods. It was all fear-based. We better please the gods or we will be destroyed. And all of a sudden, he sees in this man, Joseph, this man praying to Jehovah, this man living out a life of integrity. Verse 3 continued, he saw the favor and that Jehovah gave him success in everything that he did. And therefore, because of Joseph's life in seeking the favor of God only, now he gained the favor of man. You see which comes first in our lives? We're so quickly drawn to pleasing men. And we don't please God. And what Joseph illustrates for us in his life, and a great example for us, is as I seek the favor of God, the favor of men will come. Do you realize the difference we are as followers of Christ? And what Joseph was? People watch and they observe us in our lives and who we're becoming. He found favor with God. And in that scene right there, he really does become a type of Christ. Remember in Luke chapter 2, 52, Jesus is growing up and it says this. Jesus grew, and I think just like Joseph is growing, Jesus grew in wisdom and he grew in stature. And look how Jesus grew. Jesus grew in favor with God, his Father, and then with men. Luke 2:52 Jesus son of God grew in favor with his father and then what poured out as he grew in favor with men only the favor of God are you seeking that only the favor of God is that what you desire 
And so as he saw who Joseph was becoming, he promoted him and he entrusted him with incredible authority. What a risky step to give that authority to a Hebrew slave. What do you think that speaks of for who Joseph was becoming? He must have been a man of integrity. He must have been a man of honesty. He must have been a man who actually had love and morality. He must have been faithful, diligent, hardworking, devout to his God. And it blessed Potiphar. And you know what it did? It's interesting. I I just saw this as I was studying. Potiphar was able to go, hey, I don't have to worry about a thing. You know what that is? That's shalom. That is rest. That is peace. Joseph, because of your God and your relationship with him, I'm able to experience peace. I really have to believe that Potiphar was confronted with the love of Jehovah. I don't think there's any way you could be in the presence of Joseph and his relationship with God Almighty and not be impacted by the love of Jehovah and the peace that came versus the fear of my angry gods. A life that seeks only the favor of God. What is our lives? What are they about? I think we should ask the questions in our workplace. Truly, what does our boss think of us? How do they look at us? What do they see in us? Or if you are a boss, what kind of boss are you? How does that play out? Do you have impact on people's lives? Are you allowing them to see Christ work through you? Are you making a difference? Are you having spiritual influence in your workplace? Even though, yeah, I know you can't talk about it. You don't have to talk about it. Just let God live out his life, live a life of integrity and love, care for people's lives. What kind of employee are you? What kind of boss are you? I had a good buddy who worked for a big firm, and he made significant money. And he was working on a project... And the project did very well. And so, as many big companies did at the time, big, big bonus came to him as manager of the project. And it was a massive amount. You know what he chose to do? Because he's a godly man and he heard from the Spirit. He goes, yeah, there's some things that would be nice to get with this, and we've been talking about some purchases that we were looking at. But all this team of mine worked so hard to get this project done and to have success. And so he he just took all of his bonus, and he handed it out, divvied it up to his team. You don't think that's the love of Christ pouring out upon people, going, what in the world? What kind of employee are you? What kind of boss are you? That we would seek the favor of God and then the favor of men shall come. You see, our work's not just a paycheck, is it? Our work is to to glorify God. Ephesians 6 reminds us, slaves obey your earthly masters and do that with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. 
just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not, not only to win their favor when their eyes are upon you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. So serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever, whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Your work is about relationship and loving those that you work with and loving God in the middle of it. So seek only the favor of God in your workplace and be a blessing in your work. And Joseph does that. And things are going well. And he is having success. Not just success in all the employment. He is having spiritual success. He is growing. He is maturing. He is prospering. Everything is going smoothly. And then like I did on Wednesday, I threw that good-looking lure in the water. And those steelhead could not resist. Here it comes. Just when things are starting to go smooth, you are seeking the favor of God. Guess what? Malicious wreckers will come. And here comes the hook. Potiphar's wife sees Joseph and says, Man, what a good-looking fella. I want him. And she goes after him with full force. Up to this point, it had been pleasing God and pleasing man, his boss. And now he was going to have to make a choice, a very clear cut, that I will only please God on this one. I cannot please man. Because if I choose to please man, my life will go to the pit. And so he chooses to please God. The temptation has come. You see, things don't change in the scenario. God is still with Joseph. Just like, again, he's with you and me when those hooks come our way. When we're following that lantern and we see it and it looks like safe passage. He's still with us. We can't lose sight of that. How do we seek only the favor of God when physical temptation comes our way? How have you handled that? What is your plan to handle it in the future? Because it will come. How do we seek the favor of God? Let me remind you of Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I hope this is a prayer for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so therefore, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God-centered, Christ-centered. What does the Word have to say about these issues? Renew my mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. 
How did Joseph resist? You've got to assume that Potiphar's wife is incredibly good-looking. Really. He's a high-ranking official. He probably got the cream of the crop. She's got to be gorgeous. How do you resist such a thing? He's a young man. Good-looking. Regular hormones like the rest of us. How do you resist? You know, one of the things that we see, and this is something that, again, we have to get the game plan of thinking this through. He doesn't even entertain the temptation, does he? She keeps coming at him. And he immediately puts his stake in the ground about who he is and what he stands for. He doesn't go back and forth. His refusal is as bold as her invitation is. And Bruce Walkey states, he concedes nothing, not a thing, to imperial power. Joseph isn't afraid to to raise the stakes, and he brings the matter before God. This is an issue with God. He's the supreme judge of all these things. And Joseph was in a tough situation as a slave. He didn't really have much say. You weren't really allowed to speak back. Nahum Sarna says this, His moral excellence can be appreciated all the more if one remembers that he is a slave and that sexual promiscuity was a perennial feature of all of slave society. It was the norm. All the slaves were sleeping around with each other, and if their boss wanted to sleep with them, you had to do it. If Joseph can face into that type of temptation and God was with him, we too, through the Holy Spirit, can handle these type of temptations when they come. She lacks morality. She has none. She keeps going after and after. Lie beside me, Joseph. And then she, she switches bait. I'm going to put on a more attractive lure. I'll get everybody out of the house. Doesn't that look good? Nobody will know. How many of us have felt that situation? We think we're alone. We think there'll be no impact. And that's what the enemy loves to put in our minds. Nobody will know. That's the greatest lie of all. And the destruction to everybody around you is a nuclear bomb that just wipes everything out. Joseph is faced with this temptation. She is coming hard. The verb is really interesting that she caught his cloak. It's, it's tafash and it's, it's a violent term. It's a term of war. Like you, you bring out your shield I'm going to battle. I'm not letting go. She isn't doing this mild, just flirting. She's aggressive. How does a young man, strapping, good-looking, full of hormones, how does he deal with this? She comes and comes and comes after him. And he does the only thing that he can do. He runs. He takes off. He gets out of there. 
The King James makes very clear he got himself to get out. It's a double emphasis. He made sure he would get outside, actually. He had to, to, to get away from the situation. Here's the truth about sexual sin, sexual temptation. And you have to hear me very clearly on this. If you stay, if you stay in that room, if you stay, you will begin to sway. You will. You start to go, well, I can hang out here. I've cooled down a little bit. I can do that. And then the hook comes again. And you will sway right into sin every time. If you stay, you will sway, and you will die in that sin. The only way to be free, the only way with sexual temptation to be free is to flee. It's the only way to get out. You can't deal with it. God knows how we're made up. We are drawn to be physically intimate together. We are actually created for that. God has a context for that of marriage. But our bodies are made for that. The only way to be free is to flee. Don't think for one second that you can stay. Because you will not win. And your life will be upside down forever. You know... How many businessmen go on a trip and they think they're out of sight, out of mind? Nobody will know. Maybe I can stay. You see, she will come knocking at your door. The enemy loves to use this temptation to destroy the lives of men and women. Women also are drawn in to sexual temptation. Joseph sought only the favor of God. How can I, how can I, a child of God, how can I, one who has been washed by the blood of the Lamb, how can I sin against God in this way? And through the power of the Spirit, may you be asking those same questions. I have been bought with a price. I am no longer my own. My life belongs to Jesus. How can I Sin against God in this way. Because I want to live for God. What's going on with us in today's culture? What is the temptation for us today? Well, her name now is Mrs. Porneo. Mrs. Pornography. And she comes after us hard, daily. I need this body to wake up to what's going on around us, if you're not aware. We are being inundated every day. Those lights are bobbing up and down, and men and women. Women, don't think that you're not going here. Statistics show incredible amounts of women are going into pornography. And that light, for some reason, is attractive, and they run across the shores of Diamond Shoals. Let me give you some numbers. Every second, $3,075 is being spent on pornography. 
Every second, 28,258 Internet users are viewing pornography. In that same second, 372 Internet users are typing adult search terms into their, into their computers. Every 39 minutes, a new pornographic video is being created in the United States. It's incredible business, and it is making every year billions and billions of dollars, more than Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, all combined together. In 2006, and these are the numbers, actually, of 2006. They were so staggering, I thought I'd found enough. 2006, the gross industry was $97 billion. Now listen to this. 2003, just three years prior, the gross amount was $58 billion. So in three years, from 58 to 97 and we're in 2010. In 2006, if you typed in the word sex into your computer, you had a choice of 414 million websites to visit. We've got to stop playing the game, people, truly. This is wiping out men and women, and it's wiping out men and women in our body. And let's not pretend it's not. It's a great concern of ours as shepherds of this body and what's happening to our families here. But here's the reality. We can't get away from it. It's, it's everywhere we are. It's on your cell phones. It's on your computers. It's on your TV. Every Netflix that you get, it's everywhere. And I, I guess I just want to encourage us to be honest with one another and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm seeing this junk. Yeah, you know, I'm at computer and I'm getting spammed. I'm seeing this junk sometimes unwillingly and sometimes willingly. If you have parents of teenagers, you better wake up. If I was 15 years old and had access like our 15-year-olds have today, I would be dead meat if someone didn't come by my side and say, let's live for righteousness in the favor of God only. The power of sin is in its hiddenness. Let's talk to our spouses about an honest reality that we're seeing these things. Because from pornography goes adultery to follow. It's no joke. We love you guys. And we know as followers of Christ that this is a temptation and sometimes that hook lands. And it's destroying your life. And we want to enter in with you to say we know that you're absolutely seeing this stuff in one way or another. It's pervasive. So let's not, let's, let's not be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you saw some pornography. Let's go, okay, we know it's there. Now let's figure out a game plan like Joseph did, which is, you know what? I know the temptation's going to come. She's coming at me daily. She's not going to stop. And so therefore, my game plan is, you know what? When I'm having a bad day, I'm angry with my wife. I haven't had any physical uh, touch in a long time, and therefore I'm drawn to pornography. What's my game plan? Am I going to go sit down in the computer room, or am I going to go for a run? Cool off a little bit and say, God, help me. I don't know why I'm drawn into this, but I am. Joseph 
really wasn't able to say no in his environment, but he did. If Joseph can be one who ran and had freedom in his sexuality, so can you and I. And I just want to remind you of that scripture I mentioned last week, and we'll wrap up with this. Because this is God's power in us. Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. Again, we are not, but God is. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when Mrs. Potiphar comes knocking at your door, and she will, that's another reality you've got to wake up to. She will. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Joseph had a life that was devoted to seeking the favor of God. And it played out in his workplace. It played out in his sexuality. And later on this chapter, read later today, it played out while he was in prison, those, those hard times of life, of seeking God when you're in the pit. And he still was seeking the favor of God there, and he had success. God was with him, and so is our Lord with you today. Let me pray. Father, we, we thank you for Joseph as an example to us. We thank you for Joseph who lived a life of obedience to you and sought you and sought your favor only, God. And I pray for us today, Father, that, that your spirit will move us and help us to respond to you and to seek your heart. We want to live in righteousness, Lord. Help us in our workplaces to, to be a blessing. Father, help us with this incredible sexual temptation that comes our way almost every day that you would help us to flee, that you would give us the strength. We thank you that you provide a way out. And I pray for men and women in this body who are, who are enslaved to that right now, that you provide a way out, Father. May they know your power to have victory. And Father, in times of incredible trial, may they, in that prison, seek your face and your favor. And would you touch their lives today, I pray. In your precious name, amen.